All right, let's get weird. Um, <laughs> so um, to anybody that's made it over to episode two, welcome to Ted Lasso Pirate Radio. Um, I, hope, <laughs> I hope that the audio in this one is a lot better. We're working on it, guys. And by which I mean Ashley is doing it because she is the technician of, of, the, of the two of us. Yeah, I've nominated myself producer. So um, that's why <laughs> it's going to suck for a while until I get it right. But She's hopefully very this, smart. She'll get it right. Hopefully this one is a lot better. And we're going to jump right in. So season one, episode two of Ted Lasso. And um, Julia, before we get started, I actually want to make an announcement. Oh, God, no, what? Yeah, so sorry to spring this on you. I know that it's, you know, going to be maybe a surprise or shocker to you. Please don't. I don't know what this is. Oh, I hate this. (laughs) Oh, I hate this so much. So um, I just want to make a correction, basically, about how I've identified myself so far in the podcast. How have you identified yourself? Um, Well, you know, last time I was very, very open about being a Ted Lasso apologist. Yes. And now I want to come out and say very proudly that I now identify as a Ted Lasso appreciator. Ah. Um, no longer an apologist. And that's because I feel like Ted doesn't have anything to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, something that uh, I've learned from, um, you know, real life uh, and societal things and political things is that, you know, sometimes you got to fight on your own turf, right? I don't want to fight on the hater's turf anymore. So oh, okay. I'm Ted not Lasso. a hater. You're going to, you're going to, when you ask me who, like, let's get into this because you're going to see that my viewpoint has changed significantly. Let's, let's get into it uh, because my view on Ted is significant. I'm not as, it, 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 it pulls back a little bit. Maybe so, I was um, just in the mood last week. So, okay. So my new identity is already yielding benefits. This is great. Um, (laughs) Okay. So the name of this episode is Biscuits. And of course, we'll see why. Yeah. So it's the first day of school for the boys. Yeah. And Ted is still very much a fish out of water. Um, He has a giant piece of shredded wheat for breakfast. He looks the wrong way when he's crossing the street and almost gets hit. That made me scared. Yeah, so that's kind of where things are when we open the episode. Well, you start on his bed, and my note on this scene is that his bed is still too small, and he needs to adjust that. On the way to work, they encounter a street performer. This guy kind of looks like a dirty Jason Mraz to me. He's he's a white man with with, uh, dreadlocks, and those people cannot be trusted. Oh, did he have locks? I didn't even notice. I believe he did, and if he didn't, I I apologize to everyone and everything. And I shouldn't have said anything. No, it's it's okay because I know that you, that's like a pet peeve of yours. Is, yeah. It's, well, we've had multiple discussions on this, not to derail, but like white people's hair is not really built for it with the exception of people who do have very, very curly hair. Uh, and that is not most white people. And well, even then it can be dicey. So yes. Yeah. A little bit more work has to be done, let's say. Yeah. But Ted and Beard also encounter some local kids playing football. And they have a very cute scene there. Yeah, that was adorable. Adorable. So once at the office, um, and I'm going to start calling Rebecca's kind of C-suite, I guess, like her and Higgins and the higher ups, the front office, just to 
denoted. I, mean, I, I think that's accurate, right? And I think they also use that in sports. Hmm. At the office, Ted gives Rebecca cookies or bis- <gasps> biscuits, as they call them in the UK. Yes. Um, and he proposes starting a morning ritual with her so that they can get to know each other better. Biscuits with the boss. Yes. I love this scene. Uh, one, I've made these biscuits. They're absolutely delicious. Oh. I, when I was re-watching this episode, bought, they had the, they had biscuits well, shortbread biscuits at um at Wegmans, and I bought them. They're not as good as these biscuits. These biscuits are a little more dense, if I recall correctly. Um, oh, you made the recipe? Yeah, I made it a few times. Yeah. What do they taste like? It's it's mostly butter. Yeah, it's it's mm. it's basically butter, flour, and sugar. Um, and that's it. And it's delicious. I think when I made it, I made it with Irish butter, so it was pretty good. I usually buy like whatever fancy European butter is at the grocery store. And I make it with that. And it's pretty, pretty good. Okay. So that's what I was imagine- imagining is that it would be like a butter cookie. It um, is. It's very good. But biscuits with the boss is not something that Rebecca has time for now or ever. Um, but she knows that Ted's going to be back tomorrow. Oh, I love it. I love his <laughs> relentlessness in this. With the same nonsense again. And you offer um, some tea. And he yeah. says, my, fav- my, my favorite running joke of this series is that tea is horrible. It is absolute garbage water. And he remains correct. Um, sure. Okay. And he high fives the tree as he leaves. I love it. No problem, Ted. Hating on tea for no reason. <laughs> it is. One of the things I love about this scene is, is that his, as endearing as he is in these scenes, his anxiety bleeds through. Now that you say that, I kind of see that. But I'm, I think I'm going to go back and try to pinpoint some of those moments again. Um, and then one of the cute things that he did in the, in this scene was try to get like some conversations started about first concert, best concert. Yes. So I'm going to pull a Ted Lasso so, right now and say, Julia, what's your first concert, best concert. So the first concert I went to, I was very, very young and it was some hippy dippy nonsense out at the Bethlehem Steelworks. My parents dragged me there to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania um, they it used to like called like the Bethlehem Music Fest, and it was like somebody famous, like from hippie times. Don't laugh at me. Um, my parents enjoyed it, and I just remember like it being very hot and wandering around in the field. And so I don't know who it was, but I was there. Um, okay, that counts for something. Do you remember your best concert? I think it was Lady Gaga, which I went to with my mom, which was very weird. And we got, and I gotta say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna again, spicy take. I really think concerts are best seen from box seats, and we had box seats to see Lady Gaga. Hey, fancy! I my mom loves Lady Gaga. She got them through work. Like it was, they were offering them off at work, and since she works with you know, all middle-aged people. And my, it was just me and my mom going to see, it was Monster's Ball. Me and my mom going to see Monster's Ball. It was a good time. There was a giant fish on stage at one point. I don't know. It was wild. And I very much so enjoyed it. She set the piano on fire. It was a good time. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay, so my first concert was Janet Jackson. Really? And Yeah, and I was, I mean, yes, it was crazy. It was like the best first concert that anybody could ever ask for. <laughs> And I was maybe 13 or 14. Um, and I went to see it with like 
my dad and um, like a woman he was dating and my play sister and all this stuff. It was the tour where she like does the dominatrix act and she like brings the guy up on stage and basically just ruins his life um, (laughs) in front of everybody. And, you know, and he loves it basically. So that was great. And then my best concert was at the 930 Club. And it's why I love the 930 Club to this day. It's like church, basically. It was the Deers, um, which is like a, a small indie band from Canada, Canadian. Deer in the headlights or just the Deers? The Deers. And they did a show where it was literally like church. People were having like whole spiritual moments. Two couples got engaged that night with the assistance of like the front man, like helping <laughs> with the proposal. And so it was just like a love fest, basically. And that's that's my best concert. That sounds um, lovely and uh, gross. That like over, like, like overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just a little like, too much. Just like gross. Like, yeah. Ew, get your feelings off of me. Oh, it was so many feelings. That's why I love Ugh, it. Ugh, gross. Okay, so back to the show. So notice, you know, Rebecca's like, no, we're not doing biscuits with the boss. Like, she's trying to. She is like trying, but she's slowly caving. You can see that wall crumbling. You can see it coming down and notice how in the next scene that we see her, she's eating those biscuits. She's not just eating them. She's carrying them around with her as she's talking to Higgins and she is just loving them. So Rebecca is not fooling me at all. And she tells Higgins that she wants him to find out where Ted got these biscuits and sends him on a mission to do just that. She also wants to know who has the most sway in the locker room. But we don't see why she's asking that just yet. So we see that Ted is getting under her skin a little bit. She's perturbed at how relentless and nice he is. Mm -hmm. And she also notes that somehow everywhere he goes, everyone sees him and loves him. So, yeah, that Rebecca wall is starting to crumble down. Next in the episode, we see what's happening with the team. So we cut to Ted and Beard out on the field observing practice. Um, And Ted flexes his hands in kind of an anxious way. And he takes a deep breath. Beard reminds him to relax because the players are just kids. Um, But not really because Isaac looks like a Rodin sculpture. And um, he does. That he does, right? You know who he reminds me of? Uh, Winston Duke a little bit. Isaac? Isaac, yeah, the goal. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think it's because he's thick. He's got that like Yeah, he, he's thick and I enjoy it. He's got that. Well, I don't think they really look alike other than like the, yes, the, the, yes, the thickness. Yes, you're right. You're right. And I think actually a little bit of their like vibe. But um yeah, so the the thickness is happening. And yeah, you know, is. Rodan never made a thick sculpt. Oh wait. No, he does have a thick sculpture, but they don't look like Isaac. <laughs> so anyway, Ted orders a drill called the Exorcist to work on controlling possession of the ball. The players are out there, football and as footballers do. Jamie comes up and steals the ball from Sam, who almost falls flat on his face um, when this happens. Jamie is the worst. Jamie, yeah, Jamie Tart being the worst yet again. The worst. And then Roy gets all up in his face. I'm like, yeah, Roy, punch him. Um, Did you enjoy that Roy Kent moment? Fucking love Roy Kent. You know my feelings on Roy Kent. And you know his. (laughs) his you know his chest sweater and his chest hair it's great yes i yes, love yes, roy kent i love him so much 
You and millions of other women. I know. <laughs> and I men. Know. And everybody. Every, and non-binary. And uh, yes. Yeah. How could you not love Roy Kent? He's the best. Yeah. So Ted doesn't want this uh, little embarrassing moment for Sam to get him down. And this is where we get the great be a goldfish moment. Yes. So the thing that I loved about this was after, you know, Ted gives his little speech about the goldfish, Sam and Ted stare at each other like that internet meme where Diddy and that one dude that looks like Odell Beckham Jr. are like staring at each other, just waiting for the other one to blink. (laughs) Yeah, They have have a little staring contest. Um, And Sam's just like, okay, what the hell are you talking about? But he goes on. I think he's expecting to be like reprimanded um, in that scene because he starts it off with sorry, coach. Um, And that's not what Ted does. And then he says this admittedly, somewhat bizarre out of left field kind of thing and jamie and, and not jamie but uh sam is like what what <laughs> yeah like and trying to he was trying to wait him out to see if he's serious and ted's 100 percent serious he is yeah and you know it kind of works on sam i guess he goes back onto the field and you know keeps doing his job ted calls nate over and default he asks, nate, default nate he goes he goes he calls him over and he goes nate 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 and he goes nate goes you mean me and he goes I'll see it like it was just assume from now on you're my default Nate. And I just love, I just love that. So default Nate, maybe that's what we'll call him now. Um, <laughs> I love it. Until we get another Nate. So Ted calls Nate over and he asks, what's the buzz on Sam? Ted notes that Sam seems a bit down in the dumps and he's been underachieving. This is what we find out from Nate. He's been underachieving since he got to the UK from Nigeria, which could be a problem because the club is playing Crystal Palace on Saturday. And we find out about this because um, Ted is in the locker room, like talking to the boys, you know, what are we going to do for the pregame stuff and to get prepared for it. And Ted notes that AFC Richmond whipped them up pretty pretty good earlier in the year. So he's not going to mess with the game plan for right now. But what he does want to do is he wants to improve things in the locker room and he institutes a suggestion box to encourage the footballers to speak their minds about what could be done better. Do you have any feelings about this, Julia? I like this. I like how excited he gets about the box and how like he, he gives Nate that little love these love these peaks into your home life, Nate. Like, I love, I love that. Like, I just love how, <laughs> like, see, this is when I feel like in the first episode like, and I'll discuss this a little bit more later on, but um, you see that there is a method to his madness and his yeah. relentless positivity and it's, and it's work. And it's not just like, I'm going to be positive. It's work and it's figuring things out. So this is kind of his first step at figuring the team out. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like this. I hate, um, I hate Jamie. I hate him so much. Yeah, Jamie was being an asshole. Yeah. As we, yeah, I mean, you know, it it takes him a while to to grow (laughs) beyond It does, it does. He's just so cruel and like, but you know, Ted wants to work on him um, Mm -hmm. on that. And so that's what we see from like, you know, the second episode with, with Ted is that he really wants to work on the whole Jamie situation. Roy takes issue with Ted focusing on locker room comforts versus how they're going to play on Saturday. 
And he's not wrong about that, but he just, he doesn't see the vision. And it's like you were saying, like, Ted fixing the shower pressure actually does show Roy that he's serious about something. Um, And it, you know, it turns out that that something is making sure that players um, feel heard, that they have the amenities that they need, that they have the team support that they need. Um, And he's hoping that that will help them. That that'll translate basically into yeah, play I still, on the field. I still think it's a bit of a problem when their only thing is their only strategy. You don't see him strategize or come up or run these plays. They and he's still relying on Coach Beard. Like you just watch the outside; they're very fast. Like that's the only like it's the only yeah. thing he gives them. Like he's not like he's not really. We don't see him running him through drills. I really have again as someone who has played soccer. Like, there are ways to mitigate someone being fast on the outside. Like, you don't see, you don't see them doing that. Yeah, in the locker room, right, it's all very much focused on the suggestion box. And we know that Crystal Palace is fast on the outside. We know that from Beard. Mm -hmm. Um, Ted doesn't even offer that piece of information. But then he just kind of yada yadas it, right? Like, oh, you guys beat him before, yada, yada, yada. And he wants to focus, he wants to focus on something else. The next scene, we see uh, Keely, and she pulls up in a car looking like something out of a sports car ad. Solid entrance. Yeah, even even uh, Ted notices that. Yeah, like, it's a killer entrance, like, go Keely. Yeah. Um, and she, Keely. You gotta love Keely. And I she precipitates her. this little discussion between Ted and Rebecca about who would you rather be, a lion or a panda? Of course, Ted goes for panda. And for Rebecca, the clear answer is a lion. Pandas are fat and lazy and they have piss-stained fur. And lions are majestic and powerful. They rule the jungle. So that's where Rebecca breaks out with this. Well, I also think it's one of the first things from Rebecca where we see that she, like, this is a true and genuine interaction that she's, she's giving, to be honest. Like, I feel like you are getting a true, genuine like interaction from her. Yeah, she can't help but because the energy is so infectious, right? Like Keely coming in oh, with this ridiculous question. You can't and then, resist Keely and and Ted, right? Ted. You can't. It's it's scientifically impossible. So the the folksy charm is working on um Rebecca and Ted has kind of found a partner in crime, at least in this moment in Keely. Um yes. so Jamie Tart is this there. actually I want to I want to do a slight I still maintain until they figured out that she was perfect with Roy Kent that they were trying to set her up with Ted Healy. I still uh, maintain that. Why do you think that? Because like he's impressed with her. Like he, it, I, I, I just kind of think that they thought that maybe they were going to set um, her up with set him up with Keely, and then realize it might have been a little bit too early in the season for that, and it might not have worked. Oh, interesting. Do you think it's going to happen later on? No, no, no. I don't really think they're very good for each other because I think they're a little bit too similar. Um, I think that's why she works perfectly with Roy, but we're going to get into that uh, a little bit later as the seasons progress. So did you want to see Keely and Ted together? Like, is that some energy that you want to see? No, no. So that was a weird thing is, is that I never wanted to see that, but it always, it, or I don't know if it's the show pitching it or if that's just the shape of the show pitching stuff like that's just a shape of how shows like this always do kind of those meet cute moments okay yeah 
Um, and it's, it's falling into that pattern. And so I'm yeah. kind of picking up that vibe where it, maybe it doesn't exist. Yeah. Or okay, maybe so you, it's not planned. So you're not a Ted and Keely shipper. I am not. I am okay. Ted and Rebecca all the way, baby. Ted and Rebecca. Okay. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to talk about ships later. Cause I have a ship. <laughs> that I feel very strongly about, but that's going right, to have right, but that's going right. to have to come into season two. So, anyway, right. I'm going to make a mental note about that. And so, in this little question about who would you rather be, a lion or a panda? Of course, Ted goes for panda, and Jamie Tart is there, and he's like, "I'm Jamie Tart. Why would I want to be anything else?" Very psychologically healthy. Yeah, uh, although no. he may not. Re- <laughs> yeah, no, not realize it. He may not realize it. Yeah, but it yeah. is. Um, Julia, th- I'm going to bring another question on you. Which would you rather be, a lion or a panda? A lion. They run faster. I also don't think bamboo tastes that good. I feel like meat would taste better. Having eaten meat in my life and bamboo shoots. Mm. Mm. Okay. That's a great, that's a good reason. I, I yeah. like that. I'll accept that. Um, I love bamboo shoots. So if we're basing it on food, I mean, you, I wouldn't swap it for meat, but I do like bamboo shoots. When they're cooked, I don't know about raw. It seems like it'd be tough. Um, I think, hmm, let me think about this. I wrote the question down, but I didn't think of my own answer. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, pandas are just so cute, but I would like to like just rip into something, you know, just. Well, they are still bears. People often forget that they oh, are that's still true. bears. Like they are vicious. They're, they are, as as our good friend Stephen Colbert would say, godless killing machines. Don't. <laughs> be you know lulled into complacency by their cute appearance they are still bears okay yeah so i think i think uh i'm gonna go with panda because maybe they're like polar bears right and that they're like ferocious you know they are. Apex, apex predators they are apex predators and they're still cute so i'm gonna go with panda okay i'm convinced and you do you buddy <laughs> so keely makes this keen observation about rebecca being a very tall and intimidating woman but she doesn't she's mention she's very tall and gorgeous. She oh, she's doesn't. She's she gorgeous. She doesn't mention those like toned, you know, Wonder Woman arms that were. <sighs> I want to be in that kind of shape. She's fit, as the British would say. She and is. Get, yes, uh, I called her uh, Angela Bassett last episode. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to say that that was pretty apt for discussing um, her arms and her uh, fitness again they have she has that in common with beloved Angela Bassett yeah um okay yeah oh and another thing I wanted to note about this scene she's uh, plotting she's plotting she ends it plotting she does end it plotting definitely for sure which is why she chooses lion because she's up to something but I just love how um Ted when when Jamie is parting from this scene when he says goodbye to Jamie uh, Ted goes Night Court. So I just love that little shout out to Night Court, the TV <laughs> show. Ted and Beard are in a pub. They're in the in- pub, the, the pub with that lady whose name yeah. I never remember. Yeah, you can find me in the pub. Like, yeah, in the Crown and Anchor. That's um, what it's called. At the end of the day. And they're discussing Sam. And he's been down since moving to the UK from Nigeria. Uh, he's been down to his stats, rather. And um, Ted thinks that things will improve once he gets a little more comfy in the UK. And Beard notes that he turns 20 on Saturday, which is game day. And in this scene, they also go through the comment box. Yes. 
and it's full of just jerk off notes, basically. Wanker. Like, they all call him rank wanker. Yeah, like all the notes are like wanker this, piss off that. Except Roy, who makes his presence known. I love yes. how direct he is. I hope you choke on a Big Mac. And he yeah. signs it. He wants you to know exactly who, who said it. He wants you to know exactly who, yeah. And I have a note, um, or I have a, a line in my notes that says, for signing his name, I want to give him a new moniker. And so I think I'm going to call him King Roy Kent from now on. God, he's the best. Just for signing his name and like owning, you know, owning his shit. Like if he's going to say something, he's going to write his name to it. And then they get this other suggestion in the comment box that we've already mentioned about the shower pressure. And we know that Ted acts on that. The comment box might be useful. We'll see. The next day, Ted and Beard are walking to work. And Ted enjoys a little fancy footwork with a teenage girl who was one of the neighborhood kids at the top of the episode yep. uh, that, he was, that he was playing around with. And so we see that he's already ingratiating himself with the folks in the neighborhood. Something kind of weird, but um, the relationship that Ted uh, builds with this girl, it kind of reminds me of um, the Ryan Gosling movie, Half Nelson. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that or if you've seen that, Julia. I've not seen that one. Um, but in Half Nelson, there's this like, you know, similar like, you know, mentor mentee type relationship only um, it gets real problematic. Uh, so it oh, that bums me <laughs> out. I, let me guess. Why do I think I know exactly how it gets problematic? I don't know if you know exactly <laughs> exactly how you have to see the movie. It's a really weird movie. So in the front office, we see Higgins and Rebecca are at her desk. And she's tasting Higgins' best attempt to track down the biscuits that Ted brought to her yesterday. But they're they're knockoffs. They're not the right thing. Mm-hmm. And appa- apparently they're straight booty, too, because she spits them out into the trash can like they're gross. And guess who walks in with the real deal? Uh, it's Ted Lasso himself with his little pink boxes of goodness. Yeah. And yes. And he gives the box to Rebecca and she basically like I fucks the box. Like looking <laughs> she looks yeah. at those cookies and she cannot wait to dive uh into them. She looks at them the way that I look at, like the way that I would look at a cheesecake if it was being carried by like a naked Idris Elba. Like <laughs> like she wants it. And you know, Ted is doing his like little shtick. Uh he's talking about, you know, best concerts and he's moonwalking and such, doing all that stuff. Uh, they're bonding. They bond a little bit. Yeah, they do. And while he's working on getting the team to bond, he's starting to win folks over, especially the Higmeister. Yeah, he loves Higgins. Yeah. I love I love when he what what does Higgins say as he enters he exits the room here? Because Ted oh. runs back in and just goes, <laughs> Yes, yes. And I was like, Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. So Ted pulls a full Kramer. Like when he, because yeah. he's leaving and then Higgins hits him with a pun and he comes busting back in that door. Like, yes, yes. Full, full Kramer style, if not more aggressive. Yeah, um, I loved it. I loved it. And they're talking about getting lunch later today. They're going to have lunch together and, and talk over salads. And Higgins hits him with the Caesar you later pun. So that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. And he just yeah. bursts back in. And I, I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah, like on 10, like doing too much. Um, but yeah. it's so it's so cute. The coaching staff is asking everyone in the locker room to chip in for Sam's birthday. They're going to do a surprise for him. 
And Nate goes around and it's another one of those little adorable boxes that he like hand makes, you know, like a kid doing, doing crafts. Yes. Um, well, with his niece, he's doing it with his niece. Sure. That's what he says. He's listen. I believe he <laughs> you always have, yeah, you have, a, you have to have a kid to like excuse that stuff on, you know, or to mm-hmm. blame it on. It's like when I had coloring books, you know, and I would be like, well, one, I got the adult coloring books but they were too hard like they're too intricate to really be fun um so I started buying the like cartoon ones and they are fun yeah and I remember uh there was somebody that I was like trying to talk to or whatever that came over to my house and I was like oh uh this is for like my I made up some kid that didn't even exist this was for my niece or like whatever um so yeah so Nate makes these little adorable uh collection boxes with his uh his niece is it Yes, he says it's his niece, and I, I I choose to believe him. Oh, and you know, they hand around the box, and everyone gets in on it except Jamie, rat bastard. He puts a gum in it, and I was so furious. Yeah, Jamie being a classic ass again. Yeah, and Ted does correct him a little bit, and he's way too gentle. And I'm like, God damn it, Ted! God damn it! So he tries to talk to him a little bit there, and it just falls flat. Right? It doesn't work. A bit later, we see Ted is talking to reporters at the pregame press conference. He's doing much better than he did in the first press conference. And he gets in a little dig on Crystal Palace when they ask him about it. He says the last time that he checked, palaces made of crystals were pretty fragile. Ted gets a burn in on that one. Yes. Uh, and Trent Krim, the independent, asked Ted to explain the offsides rule. Do you and, want me to explain this to you? Yes. Go at it. Because, okay. you know, I've, I've, uh, I don't know anything about soccer, but I've never heard anyone like even I, I used to live with like a lifelong soccer fan and even they couldn't explain the offsides rule. Like they knew it, but they couldn't explain it. So yeah, Julia, go for it. Okay. So it's basically, um, and if anyone who's listening to this knows it better than me, I apologize, but I always kind of, um, understood it as, is that basically you are ahead of the play as the player. So like, like in soccer, you play positions, but you are like, and, but it's kind of like zone defense in basketball, if that makes a little bit more sense. Like there are areas of the field you are responsible for, but they move and shift as the, as the game progresses and like, um, and, and they can move freely. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's not like baseball where like, if you are the first baseman, you're not going to suddenly show up at second base. But if you are like, um, if you're a fullback and you're doing like, um, like you might, you might, you're, you're rarely going to come up to, you're, you're not going to play offense, but you might come up to midfield. So like, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to kind of explain that it's not bound really to a specific place. Um, but basically what it means is that like, if, if, if they're, if they're playing in, in a section of the field, like, and you are past the other the other team's players like if if you're trying to get a a pass and you're like you're standing behind the other team's players you're past all their other players you're offsides like you you are you are behind like you are outside of the field of play basically oh okay so like think of it's it's hard to explain without a visual but basically yeah. like um like unless the ball is actively like like so if that that rule does change however if someone kicks it ahead and like you 
pass them as you are running to get the ball and you pass all the players, once you get the ball, you are now on sides again. But play follows the ball to a certain extent. Yeah, so that that is why, like, I'm not really upset with Ted's, like, you know, deferring to. Yeah, it was, he borrowed a line from Potter Stewart when yeah. he was on the Supreme Court. And it's that famous line that everybody gets wrong, in my opinion. Uh, and it irks me. It's like a pet peeve of mine. But yeah. it was in reference to obscenity. But people say it was pornography, right? So Ted goes, uh, you know, he knows it when he sees it. Right. So he doesn't attempt yeah. to explain it. But and it, I've heard people say that like soccer fans, soccer experts about the offsides rule there. I've heard them basically say that, like, I can't really explain it. You know it when you see it. And like, if yeah. you watch enough of the game, you know, you'll know what it is. It, um, technic- it technically has to do more with the goal line. It technically like basically are you closer to your opponent's goal line than you are allowed to be? Um, that's kind of how you define it in like technical terms it's like are you pat but it's if the ball is in the midfield and you just like make a beeline for like behind their 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 defenders like you would be off you would be off sides okay yeah okay that makes sense yeah and like try basically if you try to set up like a hail mary pass like in football like where you just they kind of throw it and like you you kind of can do that in soccer um but uh, <laughs> like it's it's hard to explain because the ball comes into play too. Like if, if they kick it ahead and you run to go get it and get there and make it past the defender, yes, you're back on side. Anyway, let's keep so going. It sounds like it's it's in it's, relation to the field, the goal, and the ball. Basically. The goal, the ba- ball, and where and where people are playing, where the players like, are. Yeah, because like if the other team pulls all their like all their fullbacks up to half field. Well, if you step past half field and don't have the ball or the ball isn't coming to you, you're now offsides. And you're offsides. Okay. That yeah. makes it that makes it more clear. Um, and it's kind of similar to what I've heard before. Uh so which is why this is such a shitty question. Like, I love Trent Krim, the independent. Yeah, that uh, was that was but, man, what a setup, like a total setup. That was actually I thought, to be honest, I think Ted actually you know I'm I'm a bit of a Ted hater. He did answer this correctly. He, he did it. He did it well. Yeah. Yeah. This this in this case, he he knows it when it he knows it when he sees it. And then then we go on to the sun guy who I wanted to. Oh, oh. that guy oh. was was Ernie Rounds or Ernie Lounds. Yeah. Your face. I hated him, and I wanted to straight punch him. But again, while Rebecca was very very witty in her response. Ted doesn't come to her defense immediately and he does check in on her afterwards and she doesn't quit herself. But I wonder if she had flubbed it, would he have come to her defense? Because we've seen him not, especially in regards to Nate. This is again, I think it, it bothers me. This is a thing that legitimately bothers me about Ted. I, in this hypothetical, I think that he would have, cause I think he would have wanted to return the favor from of her saving him during the first press conference. So I would like to think that he would have. I don't think um, he would have. But you're, uh, I mean, we'll never know. But I, I think that you're right that like she handled it be- beautifully. Yeah. She was so quick on her feet. Yes. Um, and she also reveals herself to be an absolute class act, even under her conniving evil surface that she has going on right now. Yeah. Um. So I love that moment. Yeah. So later on in her office, um, she's snacking again 
on mm-hmm. those lasso biscuits. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. I was just thinking. I have s'mores in my house. I have the stuff to make s'mores, and I'm gonna make them later today. Hell yeah, s'mores. Yeah. Um, and she's reading about the latest mistress. You know that lady that Ernie Lowndes mentioned. Yeah, yeah. On some, yeah, on some kind of like online blog or tabloid. I hate it. I hate it. Well, like we basically learned that like she. I think the implication here is, is that she thought he was cheating like recently and you now found out that he has been basically more or less cheating throughout their marriage so like the marriage that she clearly dedicated herself to like is for nothing you know like he was cheating on her throughout the entire thing the whole time yeah yeah and that's like rough which is why she's stress eating those biscuits i guess other than being good so ted comes in attempting to cheer her up and he's got a care package with him. And he's kind of doing a show and tell with her of all the goodies that he got from home. He asks her if there's any food that makes her feel at home and all warm and fuzzy. Uh, and again, she looks longingly at those biscuits. Kind of like, uh, you, you remember how like Ross used to look at Rachel? Like that, like kind of. I hated friends. <laughs> I hated friends with the white hot passion of a thousand sons. You're going to uh, get no traction with me there. Oh man, you need to revisit that. I do remember I that. Recently. I do. Oh, I still hate it. But all right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not even. I you know, Friends is one of those ones where I don't try to defend it because I just think it's it's so good that like if you're if you're not with it, then it's just not for you. Basically, no, it it was just not for me. Um. So. Well, yeah, but she's she's looking at those biscuits like they're her lobster, basically. You know. Um. And so continuing on with the scene, Ted isn't just there to do show and tell. He wants to know how to get some insights on Jamie Tart. And Rebecca gives him some great advice. She tells him to go talk to Keely. But before he leaves her office, Ted puts a little green army man on her desk and says that this is her first line of defense against, you know, the BS that she's going through, including that mean, meanie reporter, Ernie Lowndes. Yeah, I like this. I also like that Ted likes barbecue sauce because I agree. Uh, I love barbecue sauce and I think Kansas City barbecue is the best. Uh, Kansas City or North Carolina. Uh, but um, was it South Carolina? One of the Carolinas. Who cares? Um, but I like this because she picks it up and you kind of see her. She's, she's starting to fall to Ted's charm. Like you can see despite herself, she is really starting to fall to his charms. Yeah, he's laying it on her. And let me tell you why I love this. I love the little green army man thing because mm-hmm. my dad, a, a long time ago, and I take it to every house that I live in, um, he gave me a gargoyle to like aim towards my door mm-hmm. um, as like a, a, a symbol for protection, basically. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love that. Just Ted reminded me. <laughs> Yeah, he gave me very, like, paternal, but in a good way, um, vibes in that moment. It reminded me of my own dad, so I just love that. That's very sweet. I like that. Ted is starting to wear Rebecca down, despite her... Best uh, efforts. Best efforts to resist. Ted does go see Keely. She's doing a a photo shoot out in a park. And to answer her question from before, she's chosen to be a lion rather than a panda for this photo shoot. Which yes. I'll have to say, good call because what I that love that me? I love that cutaway to the um yeah 
the model with like the black eyes and yeah, you know. I felt bad because like you could do better work. Like like there's better <laughs> ways to achieve that look. And she just was like, and it's and it's accentuated by the you know the sad sack look that uh the model gives. But I did enjoy that. Yeah. So she Keely shares that Jamie responds well to positive reinforcement. Yes. Which which is right up Ted's wheelhouse. It's right in his wheelhouse. So he's like, I can do that. Very yes. helpful information, Keely. So there's two notes I have on this scene. One, I love how quick Keely and Ted, like, they click immediately. They're just on the same wavelength immediately. And I would 100% drink caffeinated vodka, especially if I was still in my 20s. It would kill me, but I would oh, drink man. it. Isn't that what, like, Four Loco was? Uh, I thought, yes. I thought it yeah. was more. I don't know if it was vodka, but I, yeah, it, I think alcohol and caffeine can literally kill you. So yeah. I mean... <laughs> I think it's just because you don't get sleepy, so you just continue to drink, and the alcohol kills you. Yeah. Listen, Four loco was a good idea. Wow. Okay. <laughs> In this scene with Keeley, everything's going well till the paparazzi Sneaky shows up. paparazzi. I hated this. I hated it. And they're taking photos of Ted helping to feed Keeley on her lunch break, and he's basically doing this because her little costume has gloves with it and she can't feed herself she can't hold her burger and you know keep her costume on her, the gloves for her costume on uh and so they take a picture of this when it looks like they're smack dab in the middle of like some romantic scandalous moment so this is going to be a problem in the near future and i remember the first time i saw this i got so nervous because clearly they're being set up, but also I hate the paparazzi and I've hated the paparazzi since Princess Diana. Um, I think so, you, me, and everyone else. Yeah. And so I was like so stressed out. I was super stressed out the first time I watched it. This time, the second time around, I was just more pissed off, but I was very mm. stressed the first time. I mean, it's not the pap- the paparazzi is not doing it on their own. They have been sent there by Rebecca. Yeah. They have been employed to do yeah. this. Yeah. On game night, the team surprises Sam with a cake and a few things from home, like Chin Chin. What is Chin Chin? What is Chin Chin? I don't understand what it is. I don't know. I, I know I could have Googled this up, but I thought you might know. No, I didn't. I didn't look it up, but I think it's some kind of snack food. Okay. And I mean, the way that he's talking about it sounds amazing. So I kind of want to find some Chin Chin. All right. Well, now I got to Google Chin Chin. Now we got to, yeah, we got to go on a hunt for that. And I think they gave him like a Nollywood poster or something, which I love Nollywood. Ted tries to give Sam one of those little green army men. Mm-hmm. He's like doing his pep talk before the game. And Sam gives it back to him uh, because he doesn't have the same fondness for the American military as Ted does, which is like preach Sam. You know what I mean? Yeah, I liked. I like that Ted actually cottoned on to that pretty quickly. The imperialism. I do like that he gets. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, imperialism, imperialism, right. <laughs> He's like, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I like that Sam, who oh, I just have, he's just has a, a spot in my heart, like he's a real person. I like that he stands up for himself in that moment, but he does it in a very nice way. So he's like, okay, well, um, you know, Mr. White Man, thank you for this, but I'm going to give it back to you because I don't really, you know, mess with that. So. so out on the dog track, a.k.a. Nelson Road Stadium, the fans have adopted a charming little chant of calling Ted a wanker. So they're all, you know, wanker, wanker, wanker. 
Um, yes, I do love how relentlessly mean British fans are. It does remind me of home. Oh, yeah, it reminds you of, of Philly, I'm sure. It, it really does. Yeah. Only, you know what, like the the kind of um, automatic, you know, poise and class that we perceive as Americans, British people as having, that doesn't apply to Philly, right? Like, yeah. no. We're and I not think, a classy people. They, we refuse um, to be classy, and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know if you guys originated this, but one of the very proud promoters of Fuck Around and Find Out, right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> you mess with Gritty. He's coming to get you. Uh, <laughs> I love Gritty, though. I will say that. Everyone loves Gritty. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say about Wanker, 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 that chant, is mm-hmm. that Ted can't save face, you know, and you know how, like, in America, and I'm sure this happens other places, too, where, you know, if there's, like, a guy named Gooch or something, and the crowd is like, Gooch. Mm-hmm. And he play, you know, he plays it off. He's like, "Oh no, they're saying my name. They're not booing me." Like Ted cannot play this off. Like they're just calling cannot, him a straight out wanker, and they're they've adopted this as like a semi official thing. Yeah, yeah. I do have one other comment about this. Scene. What the hell is up? Like, so it's my understanding those announcers are real like football announcers in oh. um, in England. The announcers. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, like that's I think one of the things that made this so is is that the the teams are also real teams and they're using real team logos, which is I think one of the things that's a kind of I believe unique about the series. This is that like, you know, um, Crystal Palace is a real premier level team, right. um, and they play uh, Manchester City I think later in the series. Like that's a real real team. Okay. Um. Um, to my understanding, anyway, but I don't understand what. Why are there microphones like that? It freaks me out. I don't care for it. I don't understand it, and I won't abide it. What was up with their microphones? Their microphones—they they hold them up. They hold them up. They talk right into them, and they have this like weird little thing on top. I don't know what's up. I don't care for it. I do not care for it. Oh, is it some kind of like? Um... I'm sure it it it's to like block out background noise because they're doing it live. They're doing like it live a, into the stadium and into the thing, and they're not really in booths like like you see um, in America where they're kind of semi separated from the crowd. But I still hate it. It drives me nuts. I don't care for it, and it's weird. And those are my thoughts. Okay, noted. That's uh, Julia hates microphones. I do. I do hate <laughs> microphones. Or at least certain types of British ones. I, I listen, know. listen, we are Americans uh, so, and they need to be reminded of their subpar weirdness uh, all the time. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So two things we learned about Julia. She wants to refight or re- relitigate the uh, Revolutionary War. So very yes. interesting. And, and the War of um, 1812. And the War of 1812. And Ooh. I got... I, I have personal issues with that one, but I will not go into that here. Um, I'll tell you later, Julia. Okay. Uh, and then what was the other weird thing that we just learned about you? Oh, yeah. So if you were in high school, you you would start like a anti-AV club. I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I was very lazy. So back to the show. So sad to say the boys lose against Crystal Palace four to one. That's pretty bad. I really, yeah, that's a very, four is a very high score in soccer. Um, I really like that they lose this game because I think it kind of gives Ted a slap in the face that he kind of like. The wake up call. Yeah. That like, you know, he could see he, I think he kind of thinks that he can just kind of come in and, and use his, his American football techniques because he, 
because it's my understanding he seems to understand like he has he has coaching credentials in american football and he's trying to generalize some of them to british football and um obviously some of them don't connect because there is technical skill involved which beard has clearly yeah, te- there tech- there's technical skills in both, but they're different. So that's the yes, yes, there magic. That's the magic component that he hasn't cottoned with yet. Yeah, yeah. So you know, in this game, all eyes were supposed to be on Jamie Tart, but he only got one meaningless consolation goal. Yeah, and Sam's hustle though was on point, and it was the commentators say that it was the bright spot in the team's performance. So I note this to say that, you know, Ted's little plan with Sam and trying to make him feel feel at home might have paid off a little bit. And um, he still needs to give that attention to Jamie, to Mr. Problem Child, to figure out what's wrong with him. But well, we uh, know what's wrong with Jamie. But um, so we see something for Ted start to pay off and for Sam, which I was very happy about. Ted does try to continue with his mission for episode two. Uh, He calls Jamie into his office and he tries some good old fashioned positive reinforcement on him. And Jamie just laps it up like a little puppy dog. I do like the one out of 11 speech. Roy's raging around the, uh, the, the locker room. He says, you're a one in a million talent, but sometimes I forget that when you're out on that field, sometimes you forget that when you're out on that field, that you're one of 11. And that's oh, what, that's exactly what he says to him. And that's what, and he yeah, says, that, once you figure that out, there'll be no stopping you. It's a good one. Some good advice, Ted. That is actually good. Uh, ex- that is excellent advice for team sports. Team um, sports, specifically. For, yeah. yeah. Right. It doesn't help you if you're, if you yeah, throw, if you're in if, solo, if you're in solo sports, no. If you threw shot put like me in high school, it doesn't help you. Uh, <laughs> so Ted is using, positive reinforcement to drive home a bigger message Mm -hmm. uh, with Jamie about being a team player and turning me into us. Yep. And um, he's trying to use a spoonful of sugar to help that medicine go down. Back with the other guys on the team, Roy Kent is fucking embarrassed. He takes out his rage on a poor little innocent water bottle. Like he like, he, he snatches it from Nate. He crumples it up, smashes it on the ground. And then, and then he looks at Nate and Nate goes, ah, and smashes the window. And he goes, oh, God. And then, and Roy Kent just goes, good lad. And he like moves off. Yeah. Like, like, that's what that's what I think fundamentally at this point of the, of the show separates Nate, uh, Jamie from Roy. Is that, um, like, Roy is, like, just as bombastic to a certain extent and as um, Jamie is. But, like, He's not directing that. Like, he's not abusive towards towards Roy. He's like, he sees that. He busts the window. He sees it. He gets into her. And he's being, like, a little aggressive. You know, let's be perfectly honest. Like, that is really not acceptable workplace behavior. Um, but he, you know, he invites Nate to get in on it. And he does. And he's like, gives him the good lad. And just, like, moves on. <laughs> moves on. Like, I just, I just love that. Yeah, his hostility is general and maybe a little bit towards Ted, but it's not towards Nate. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's, it's just like towards the losing and it's not towards Nate, whereas Jamie's hostility is towards Nate. 
he pick, he picks the uh, easy target. Yeah, that's a way to put it. Nate, oh god, you know, like Bless I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead as we talk about these. Um, you know, again, we do know what happens, but I I want to kind of focus on. I don't feel like we have to shy away from what happens, but I do want to focus on what's in each episode just for efficiency purposes, basically. Yep. But I just want to say like, note the Nate thing in this note that Nate, Nate takes an elbow to that window and smashes the manager's door, but just notice all the imagery that's in that. But the other thing that I will say without kind of getting into the larger significance of Nate smashing that window is um like who the hell does he think he is like he clearly he he shocked himself like he got ahead of himself getting wrapped up in Roy's well um, I think he thought I well I think I think that's the point is is that like he was trying to be like like I I actually I don't in this particular smash like I know you're probably gonna come back on it again I really think I really think he kind of got caught up in the moment and like Jamie was like raging or not Jamie Roy was like raging next to him and he just wanted to be kind of caught up in the moment too and like, so he did that. I really don't think he thought that was going to break. Like, I no, he he clearly didn't mean to do it. And I don't think, and I don't think Jane, I don't think Roy would have thought any different of him if he didn't. Like, to be honest, because like that's again, that's that's the difference between Roy and Jamie. But like, I just love the little good lad that he gives him, and like Nate just is like 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 looks so pleased with himself when he when he gets that. Yeah. Yeah, he shocks himself and he's somehow pleased at like, ooh, I didn't know I could get that angry. I didn't know I could play that emotion. You know what I mean? And the one thing that I will say without giving too much away is look at who's standing in that window. That's all I have to say. Oh, I didn't see who was standing in the window. I didn't see. I didn't see. Yeah, we'll go back and look. So um, then a very, you know, pissed off Roy goes to the shower um, and he finds that the water pressure has improved. So, you know, Ted Lasso, maybe he can't get you a win against Crystal Palace, but he can get contractors, you know, and or maintenance people to show up and get stuff done. And yes, that, is a, that is a skill. All right. So we're going to give Ooh, Ted a, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna give Ted a point on that. I can't get contractors to show up and do stuff. No, I can barely get my super to fix my goddamn window. So even though they lost Ted and Coach Beard, they put on some tribe in the locker room. Um, which I have to say, it's impossible. It's impossible to be upset while listening to Tribe and eating cake. It's impossible. Yes. I've actually been there before. Instead of cake, it was barbecue. But Tribe and barbecue, I was upset about something. I was upset for maybe 30 seconds. Like, I couldn't maintain my upsetness. Anyway, what were you going to say? Oh, and notice that when the cake is being handed out, Jamie doesn't eat me. Jamie doesn't eat me. He's not 100% t- taking Ted's lessons to heart. Wow, I didn't notice that. Me. Yeah, I clocked that. He doesn't eat me. And he like storms out, right? That's like the next scene. He storms out. And um he is, he gives, he gives Trent Krim. He runs into Trent Krim with his hair back. Yeah. With his hair back. It's a good look for Mr. Trent Krim. And he gives, he is like nice for like a split second. He gives the one of eleven speech for like a split second. And then I he, he I think he sees two of his two of his coworkers kind of like running off to go be friends in the background, and he comes back and he's like, "Ah, I'm Jamie, and I'm the worst." Yep. Yeah. So he comes back to rag on everybody. So uh, which is which is very that's not in the spirit of Trap Call Plus, okay? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's not in the spirit of somebody's birthday. Like, I'm 
just ugh. just like it lacks the um he makes it seem like they're throwing a party because because they lost no i, I you know we're celebrating a friend's you know birthday right he he makes him look bad because he he does it out of context yeah. and just when you're starting to think and i love i guess i love the way the show does this you know jamie has that little moment where he's lapping up all of ted's positive reinforcement so you're thinking okay maybe there's a way that ted's going to get through to jamie and then he just can't help himself in this moment but i will say that like trent Krim, he pulls another setup again on jamie because he comes out and he asks jamie you know about the loss today like he basically comes out and asks him this underhanded question y'all lost today how do you feel about it and jamie like I think that he's trying to be positive. He's trying to grow in this moment where he says, I'm just one of 11, but he's also maybe inadvertently, I can't really tell blaming the loss on he's like spreading the blame for the loss. Trent Krim asked the question, how do you feel about losing Jamie? Instead of, you know, taking a moment to say like, instead of using the one of 11 in a positive way, he uses it in a negative way to spread blame. And then he just goes on and rags about the parties. I was rooting for him, but I don't, he's not we'll growing we'll fast see. enough. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he, he'll get there. He he'll get there, there eventually. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work, though. Uh, it cuts to the team who is, in fact, partying it up inside. Higgins is busting out some uh, some some old white dude moves. I don't, was he doing like the sprinkler or something? Like he was doing I don't something. know. He's having a good time, though. <laughs> Um, and so in the last few scenes, these are, these are, these are like, they're not quite cliffhangers, but they're, they're like, oh, oh, you know, shit, what's happening type scenes. So we see Beard and Ted are walking home. He has that kind of cute moment with the neighborhood girl again. Rebecca is at home with wine and her little green army man. She's kind of twiddling that in her fingers. The one that Ted gave her. And this is when we see that it turns out that she's the one with the assistance of Higgins, who is acting as the saboteur here. And she sent the paparazzi stalking after Ted and Keeley. So that is all her doing. Yes. Higgins asks her if she's sure she wants to release the photos. And uh, she does it. And when she says yes, that she wants to do it, she tosses Ted's little green army man aside. So she's like fighting herself to stay on this evil path. Like you love the biscuits. You're taking the little green army man home with you and playing around with it. But you're still going to stay dedicated to your shadiness. You know, tis, tis, tis. Well, I think it's not. She's not staying dedicated to her shadiness. She sees like she there's that report about basically her husband like fooled her for five years. If she hadn't seen that news report, she would have just been like, nope. We're not going to do that. And then in the last shocking reveal, and I, I don't know, like this is like a usual suspects moment or it's like a crying game moment. Like when they do this reveal, Ted is shown baking away in his kitchen, making those little biscuits. He's the one he's been doing this by hand for Rebecca, cutting them up, putting them in the little cute boxes. And it just, it warms your heart, but it's also like a, you know, Dun, 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 like, you know, and it makes what Rebecca is doing in context so much worse. Yeah. In this moment, I just felt like you're a trash bucket for what you're doing, Rebecca. And I don't understand how anybody could be 
so mean to you know Martha Stewart Ted Lasso in his little kitchen making. Well, she doesn't know. I think I don't think it's I don't think he's being mean to him. Like it's it's again. Remember her her plotting. She's thinking past him, so yes. she she understands like. She's out to get revenge on her ex-husband. He doesn't matter in it. Like he, she is taking him down with it. So it's like it's not great, but you know. Yep, she's blinded by it. Yeah. Great. So we're gonna get into our segments this episode. Yep. Okay. So our first moment is our favorite moment. That's the uh, which moment is life for you this episode? Football is life. No, 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 no. Okay, so, uh, so there's two. I'm cheating slightly. So um, the birthday party for Sam because it's just very sweet. He's clearly like very much so taken aback and very much so appreciates me appreciates it. And um, the shower scene uh, where they get the uh, water pressure fixed and like um, Roy Kent is in there and the 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 Welshman comes in and just gets flattened by the water pressure. Oh, yeah. I, that never, never. That's I've seen that scene. Like I've watched this show several times. Like I rewatch it. It's kind of a comfort watch for me from time to time. That never fails to make me laugh. It reminds me very, very much of um, the golf scene from Scrubs, which I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite TV moments ever. So you know my obsession with Scrubs. So there's <laughs> a. So the, I think it's in the beginning of the second season of Scrubs, where for whatever reason JD and Turk are on the roof of the hospital. And oh yeah, Turk I remember that. Is hitting golf balls off of the roof of the hospital, and the scene ends where we hear, like, with just the sound of crashing glass and a car crash, yeah. and like, and they just flee the roof. And you're like, I just, I remember laughing so hard because I'm like, these dumb idiots are fucking doctors. <laughs> if anyone in this world should know better than to do this, it is them. And like, they just. Lee, I, I I remember I, the first time I saw it, I had a cold. I laughed so hard that like I had trouble breathing. It was so I so goddamn funny. Yeah, I love that. I remember that episode of Scrubs too. That was a good one. Yeah. Um. So my which moment was life uh, for me this episode? It was the goldfish moment with Sam and Ted. Um. I just love that moment. I know a lot of people have uh, like picked up Tedisms and Ted Lasso philosophy mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and that's like that might be the like the main one, like the uh, kind of golden uh, Tedism that has come from this show. It's be a goldfish. It's good life, you know, advice. And I've kind of been doing a version of that since I was a kid, but it involves. Um, like basically like uh, um, chanting the word like erase to myself. And I got mm-hmm. that from some sitcom, but I can't remember which one it was. But it's like erase, 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 erase. And I'm, I'm going to have to go back and try to figure out which sitcom that was. Yeah, so I love that piece of advice. Our next segment that we do is Be a Goldfish. And this is our least favorite moment. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. Again, picking up from Ted's great advice to Sam, what do you want to forget this episode, Julia? 
Um, it's the closing scene of Rebecca choosing to release the photos. Um, yeah. You see her starting to like Ted, and then as I, as we kind of discussed, you see that she's watching like gossip, whatever on TV, and I think I don't know if it's I forget if it's just, like the same person or like I don't know like but basically you see her being reminded of her husband and. Her, her her need for revenge overpowers her her better self. Agree. I actually have that one written down. I had two this episode. Yeah. Uh, so my second one is the way that Jamie acts in that locker room. And this is after Ted attempts to reprimand him or correct him about putting gum in the in Nate's collection box. Mm-hmm. Um and Jamie just flat out rejects the correction and like does like the little like jerk, you know, the jerk off movement behind Ted's back and the whole locker room like laughs at Ted. Uh, so I hate it. I hated that moment because Ted tried so hard. It was just pointless. Basically. I also hated seeing, I just hate it when anybody acts like that, like acts like a child and like being a jerk is like fun. It's yes. not, it's, it's not fun. Um, I could get it if you're a jerk and you've accepted being a jerk and you're just going to do jerky shit, but I hate the combination of like being a jerk and acting like it's fun in games. Uh, so that was my be a goldfish moment. So our third segment is giving biscuits. So this is my favorite segment, I think. And this is our favorite character. I brought you a little something. Oh yeah. Cookies <laughs> or as y'all call them here, biscuits, right? Julia, who's your favorite character? This episode. It's actually Ted. Um, I love Ted. I love him in this episode. I know. (laughs) Um, But I think mostly because it expands past his, like in the first episode, really all you see is his kind of almost foolishly upbeat attitude. And in this episode, you see it much more of like, yes, he's incredibly upbeat. He's incredibly positive, but he's not an idiot. Like you see, like he is, he is plotting. He is, you know, he is trying to figure things out. And so it shows that like, like any, it shows that he can identify problems and he's trying to solve them. So it shows, it shows it's not just relentless optimism that he's working with here. Like, yes, he is relentlessly optimistic, but he's not like, that's not just it. In the first episode, it just comes up. He just really comes across as stupidly, relentlessly optimistic. Uh, yeah and i don't care for that and you my darling who's your favorite you start to see some method to the madness yes so i love that you recognize that and you're giving ted his due a little bit for my who am i giving biscuits to um he already got chin chin and cake uh, this, <laughs> this episode but i'm giving I knew biscuits. it was gonna be sam i knew it i knew yeah. it i'm a big old sam fan man um I got to give biscuits to Sam. I love Sam in this episode because there was just something about him that felt so like true to himself. I love that he took the lesson that mm-hmm. Ted gave him. I love that he took it and not only got back out on the field that day, but he turned it into a good performance on Saturday on game day. And he was the highlight of that game. Um, I love that he stands up to Ted about the imperialism thing. And he's just a sweet, amazing 
man. So I give it to Sam. Yes, I do love Sam. Our last segment is our demerit segment, hot brown water. You know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh No, thank you. Who are we going to give least favorite horrible hot brown water to? It's Jamie. Yes. So mean. I can't. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with what a shithead, spoiled little brat he is. Yeah, and he's unapologetic. Yeah, (laughs) he's unapologetic about it too. Um, So, man, I don't know. I've had to deal with some Jamie tarts in my life, and they're they're just so difficult because. they're usually they usually are very gregarious and kind of charming and likable on one level. And so they tend to get people behind them. You know what I mean? And meanwhile, they're doing a bunch of fuck shit. So those types are so tough to deal with. He is the worst. Um, my hot brown water for episode two goes to this is a repeat for me, two in a row, Rebecca. Mm. Um, that moment showing that she's the one that set up the paparazzi thing like that. I took a really big issue with that. It's so dirty and it's so, it's such a snake move to do, especially because she's been dragged through the tabloids here recently, you know? And so she should know what it feels like. Um, and where do you think she got the idea? Yeah, but she takes something that's harming her and she uses what, what's that saying that they say on, like, can't use the master's tools to tear down the master's house? Like, I think that's Audrey Lord. Oh, nice. Audrey Lord. The master's I, I, tools will never dismantle the master's house. Nice. Um, I like Audrey Lord, and I haven't read the work that she said that in, so I have something to add to my list. But, yeah, I just, no, I'm not with it, Rebecca, and I think you need to do better and yes. stop using uh, tools of evil against harmless people like Ted. So we have one more segment where we want to talk about themes. Do you have any themes that you want to highlight this episode? You see that Jamie can be reached, if even if not right now. You see Roy Kent right now. Like we know Roy Kent to be Roy Kent, a great big, a secret giant softie. But um, like you start to see the um the start of that. Like yeah, I think the biggest theme that I take out of this episode is that Ted's wanting to connect personally with people is a concerted effort on his part. Mm-hmm. So we see it work with Sam. Jamie is a work in progress. Who knows what's going to happen with Roy? I, I think that's probably the toughest one for him at this point. It's starting to work on Rebecca, though she doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, she and, does not want to admit it. And Higmeister is fully on board. Although he's Although he's lying to Rebecca about it. That's something that I'm, I'm picking up. And I'm going to be watching all of season one to see who comes around, when, and why. That's a good thing we should look for. Yeah. Roy Kent would have to believe he's never come around. Despite the fact that it was that shower that did it for him. It was, it was man. He was enjoying that shower. Um, which I, oh my God, I agree on that. Like shower pressure. I <laughs> get, if I yes. go into a shower that has shitty pressure i get like mad yeah it's the worst and it ruins my day like i'm in a bad mood from then on yeah as someone who has to uh wash their hair every day because they're filthy grease monster um high water pressure is very important to me 
Um, my building has a pretty good one. The best, I forget where I had the best. My parents' house has pretty good water pressure. I forget. I was in this, like, I forget where I was, but it had, like, phenomenal water pressure. It was, like, I think I was staying at, um, like, someone's place. I was, like, crashing there for a few days. Mm. Oh, my God. The water, like, their house was teeny tiny. Uh, and it bummed me out. And nothing else was good. But, like, shower time, I was, like, yes. Yeah. And that's okay. my story about water pressure. <laughs> and being a, a filthy monster. <laughs> Uh, well, that that fits for a girl from a, a city, originally from a city, who's um, one of their mascots is called Gritty, right? I am. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Listen, Gritty is the best. Um, did you read his like you should actually Google his. Um, I know we're trying to close out, but you you should really Google his um, origin story. I OK, I think I've read that before. I don't remember it right now, but I, I will revisit it. Um, yes. But I love. You know that I, I rag on Philly as a hobby, and uh, but I, but I love Gritty uh, because he looks like um, like a very like fancy like happy version of the Babadook. Yeah, he looks like a nightmare. He looks he, like the Babadook's cousin, and I like it. Yeah, he looks like an honest to god nightmare. I love him. I love the Philadelphia Fanatic. I have this theory: the Philadelphia sports teams take hear, someone on the teams hear this and take it, please. That I really think that there should be animosity between the um, the Philadelphia Fanatic and Gritty. I think they should fight each other. I think they should come to each other's games and fight each other. I thought I that think, there was animosity between them. I'm I don't believe up. there is. I think I told you that. Do I just because- assume that there's animosity between every person in Philly and every other person in Philly? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. We Philadelphia is only united against outsiders. Otherwise, we are fractious, argumentative people. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up, unless you want to go into some more gritty facts. <laughs> no, no, no. I have to feed my dog before he starts eating my toes. Okay. <laughs> so that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week when we cover season one, episode three of 